Well, good morning, all y'all. Um, just a couple things before I, I get into the sermon is uh, uh, Josh and Shane Hughes, this is their last Sunday before they head off to college, and they have been instrumental, so uh, I just want to uh, thank you for your service here. Uh, when you were here, <laughs> um, Josh was in an internship this summer, um, but uh, when available, he was up front here, and Shane on Saturday nights when he was available, helping us uh, leading worship and uh, working in the AV booth. Uh, they both leave holes in those positions, and so that encourages uh, us to uh, rally up the troops here and, and to fill in those spaces if you're interested in helping either singing alongside John Zingaro here. Up at, I don't think he'd mind another male vocalist next to him. And the, uh, then also in the AV booth, and then we also have another position that's related to um, uh, video sh- uh, streaming in the future, too. So if you're interested in any of that, uh, please let me know after service. So I just wanted to say that. Additionally, uh, little Akana is not feeling well, and I'm gonna, when I lead us in prayer, I'm going to include her. Uh, just hasn't been feeling well for about a week here, and it's uh, lingering a little bit, and I'm sure the parents are concerned. Lord, we just uh, thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you for uh, your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your word. And uh, and I thank you, Lord, personally, just for the privilege of being able to preach. And I pray that uh, you would use this message in each of our hearts. We lift up little Akane to you, Lord. We pray that your healing hand would be upon her uh, soon and that uh, this illness would pass and that she would be strong and healthy and bouncing around the house again. So we just commit her to you, Lord. Be with um, uh, Tammy and with David too, Lord, as they come alongside and um, and and uh, provide that parenting love that they do and, and that's surrounding her, Lord, with that. So, And uh, thank you for Adeline too as she comes alongside her sister. We thank you again, Lord, for this day. Uh, and now we ask that we would sense your presence uh, mightily uh, through your word. Holy Spirit, uh, not only allow us to be hearers of the word, but doers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what will it take to awaken the church? Not just our church, but the church of Jesus Christ uh, across this land. And, And when that would happen, what would it look like? Be thinking about that. Some questions I want to ask at the end of the sermon. I'm going to go ahead and peek at those and and uh, ask you to think about them while I'm preaching too. What are some acts of love that you have received from the body of Christ? Has anyone reached out to you within this congregation to you in any particular way? Think about that. What are some acts of love that you've heard other churches and other Christians doing that you know that's really been blessing? It blessed your heart when you heard about it and you thought, isn't that interesting how that church reached some people with that kind of love? And then finally, on a Don note, what are some excuses that we use in not showing the love of Christ? So just those are kind of things. I'm going to ask those at the end or have a little time of back and forth um, uh, with that. We'll have time to do that. First of all, I want to show you a list of, uh, a list of names. Anybody know what this list of names, any of these people, and except 
for Shane, who was here last night. No cheating, okay, no whispering either. Well, these are, these are all people who were in a comatose, a comatose state for at least one year, some for 10 years, some for 20 years, some for 27 years, and one for 30 years that were awakened out of a coma. Can you imagine that? Now, some, uh, to be fair, came out of a coma for a few days and then slumped back into a coma. Some, uh, like Martin Pistorius, it says seven years up there, but actually it was closer to ten and, and the full length of his uh, illness uh, and him being out of touch with reality, if you will. And now he's a web designer today and, uh, and, uh, and back, back in action. So uh, it's interesting. Uh, when we see these things, we're just amazed that people can actually come out of a coma after so long. Would you say that the church in America is in a coma? In other words, it's alive but unresponsive to the surrounding culture. <laughs> and if it were alive, alive, how would you tell? And what is it going to take to awaken us out of that coma? Well, there is no greater time than now for the church to awaken, to stand up, stand out for Christ. And we can only do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray for God to arouse the saints and to stir our, our hearts that we would go to Him in prayer and that we would ask that His manifest presence would would be a realization among everything that we do and everywhere we go and every group that meets within this congregation and, and uh, beyond as we reach out with our extended vision. And so I believe it's going to happen. And so what would be the evidence of this awakening? Well, Romans chapter uh, 13, verses 8 through 14 we're going to look at it. it gives us a little glimpse of what that might look at look like when a church is alive when they're when they're not only alive but they're out of their slumber and they're out of their sleep and so if you would turn there in your bibles to Romans chapter 13 verses 8 through 14 let no debt remain outstanding except for the continuing debt to love one another for he who loves his fellow man has been has fulfilled the, the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is, a, is the fulfillment of the law. And do this. Understanding the present time, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave Decently, as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, 
Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Wow. It's a great portion of Scripture. Well, I'm going to start in the middle of that portion of Scripture because I believe it is key to igniting the kind of change necessary to impact the world around us for the good of the gospel. And so I want to talk about this morning how to stand up and stand out as Jesus' disciples. How do we do that? Well, first thing that we have to do is is wake up, right? We need to wake up from our slumber. And verses 11 and 12 give us some direction in doing that. Do this, Scripture says. Understand the present time. The hour has come for, a, for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is over. The day is almost here. I must stop there. I love this phrase. If, if you don't know what time it is, you're, you're never going to be in a hurry. <laughs> you know, you know and, I, and some people are like that. I love the first that first phrase, though, understanding the present time, because that acts as a as an alarm for us, if you would. It's listed in the NIV as understanding the present time. In the ESV, it says, you know the time. And the King James Version says, knowing the time. Hmm. What does that mean? Well, if believers are to be awakened, what more do we need than that raging and ringing alarm clock of what is going on around us. Are we so blind and so deaf that we cannot see that the society around us is crumbling? We're surrounded by the fulfillment of prophecy every day. And it should be ringing. I should have brought an alarm clock up here. Ringing when we, when we see all these things going around and going on. In Isaiah chapter 5 Verse 20 says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. What is, what's going on with that? Everything is flipped. Everything you once thought, this is good, this is admirable, is looked at almost in a humorous way. And what is detestable seems to be rising to the top. What in the world is going on? We are warned about days like this coming from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Hmm. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 says this, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. The church must understand the present time. (laughs) These are the days that we are living in and everything is flipped. 
And there are signs all around us, and it's that alarm clock ringing. It's time to wake up. And before we get too pious <laughs> and looking at this list and saying, oh, that's not me, the next verse goes on to say this. And that is what some of you were. But by God's grace, you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Men and women, we must realize the times that we're living in and not just roll over in our beds and say, oh, well, this is the world in which we live. If we read on, understanding the present time, what then? What then? The hour has come for you to wake up out of your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. And so what? Well, wake up. <laughs> wake up, speak up, stand up, and get serious about your commitment to the Lord. Somehow we just, you know, get caught up in the, in the doing the mundane. You know, are going to run the kids and the grandkids to practices. We tend to our yards. Shopping, eating out, watching TV, working, helping various family members. We don't recognize the times. We have to get beyond the attitude of whatever happens, happens. That, that, That cannot be the church's mantra. Hey, by the way, we came up with the church's vision. Whatever happens, happens. Wow. That's not the church. That's not the call, that's not the call of God's people. Time is passing. The realization of salvation is at hand. The day is closer to our Savior returning, bringing us home, judging the world. And that day is closer now than when we first began, when we first believed. So back to Romans 13. And we see what needs to stop and what needs to start. Let's start with what needs to stop. Let's get that out of the way. Well, what can't happen is we can't be absorbed by the culture around us. We can't get caught up in the culture that surrounds us. Verses, the end of verse 12 and 13 there says, So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently As in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Do you realize everything I just listed is part of part of our culture? It's it's our this is the culture that we live. It's just a description of our culture. Sexual immorality is not only tolerated; it's elevated. Drunkenness is is laughed at. It's 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 humorous. It's you know it's portrayed on TV. Some guy's fumbling, getting his key out, and he can't he can't open the door, and everybody's laughing, and it's just so hilarious. Unless you grew up with a father that was a drunk, or or someone close to you, or they were caught up in in a in an addiction of another drug, maybe a legal illegal drug. 
it's not really that glamorous, not as glamorous or, or funny as portrayed in movies and TV. And, and that's, a, that's another thing that keeps people asleep. <laughs> Netflix, Prime Video, Disney, Showtime, Hulu, HBO, all these other programs, you know, they're all movie platforms and program platforms, and they sit in the altar of our homes, even Christian homes. You can't even watch a sporting event without some ridiculous commercial or without an athlete supporting some immoral way of life. And not only this, but Satan also tries to attack the church. He's the great divider of the brethren. And so we also see listed there dissension and jealousy. He, he, he attempts to pit groups against each other. And why are the elders doing this? And what is DMM doing? And, and what, you know, what's up with the worship team? And, and what is leadership, uh, you know, what are they doing here? And, and there, and, and it, why does he do that? Because if the evil one can get the church infighting, we will be, well, we will never be effective in getting the life-changing message of Jesus Christ out. And so God, God's word is screaming out to the church, wake up, wake up. I like how the King James Version puts this, knowing the time that it is high time to awake out of your sleep. It's high time. I always wondered, like my dad used to say that all the time, well, it's high time you did that, it's high time. I was like, what in the world's high time? I never knew what that meant. It's kind of the, it's one of those things where you kind of know what it means even without knowing what it means. Like, it's high time. It wouldn't be low time. I guess it would have to be high time that we did something. In that first part of verse 9, we are reminded not to engage in those, in those uh, social sins, if you will. Number the, you know, all sin is against God. Every ten, every one of those ten commandments, when you, when you break them, you're sinning against God. But some of those are more pointed towards other people. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covenant. They're all sins against other people. And before you scoff at that list, like, well, that's not me. I'm not going to murder anybody. I would never. Remember Jesus' restatement of, of many of these. <laughs> and he, he shed a new light. He said things like, if you call another man fool, you're committing murder. Well, aren't you taking it too far? If you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Oh. So how do we turn the corner? How do we get away from going down the wrong road? How do we wake up out of our slumber? How do we, how do we get to a place where we stop doing the things that are selfish and hurtful to others and start doing the things that are good and loving in accordance with the law of God? Well, I believe verse 14 begins to help us turn that corner. Rather, <laughs> I love that. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And so we need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an interesting way of saying it, isn't it? How do you put on Jesus? Albert Barnes, a theologian, 
put it this way. The phrase to put on a person, which seems harsh or crazy to us in our language, but it was not unfrequently used by Greek writers. And and it means to absorb his principles, to imitate his example, to copy his spirit, and to become like him. So if you think about it, we are to put on Christ. And so, in other words, we are to be absorbed with his principles. We're to imitate his example. We're to copy his Holy Spirit, and we are to become like Christ. And men and women, that is spiritual transformation, becoming like Christ. The problem we encounter with putting on Christ is the same problem you would have with putting on any clothing if you're already clothed in the wrong clothing. Because that has to come off first, right? Because it's ridiculous for me if I was up here and I had another shirt on top of this shirt and a pair of pants over these pants, I would look like more stuff than I look now. The problem we encounter putting on Christ is, 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 is our problem that we're so full of ourselves. Jesus doesn't, doesn't really fit. Therefore, we have to stop clothing ourselves with our own selfish desires, our sinful nature, and then we can put on Christ. Verse 14 goes on to say, and do not think about gratifying the desires of the sinful nature. When we stop gratifying the flesh by the power of the Holy Spirit, when we stop fulfilling our sinful desires and denying ourselves of that momentary pleasure of sin, Christ alone becomes our our clothing. And by the way, this, this is also the armor of light as you put on Christ. He, because Jesus is that armor of light that goes before you, chasing out the darkness, right? As you walk around with with Christ on, he is that armor of light. He is the light of the world. Jesus exposes darkness and darkness flees. And so what are we to do? I, one thing we're not to do is become discouraged, thinking, oh, we can never do this. There are, there's just too much to do. Well, actually, there are things that we can do that are amazingly enjoyable, and dare I say, in a Christian Missionary Alliance church, fun. <laughs> That's the, never mind, I'm not going to say. If we do these, we won't have time to do the wrong things. And that is to go crazy with love. Just have a blast at it. And just fully enter into this. And I love the example here. It's, it's, it's just so amazing. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Whatever other commands there may be, I'm going to skip down there, are summed up with this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love doesn't harm does no harm to its neighbor, therefore love 
is the fulfillment of the law. This is awesome. Remembering those first seven chapters of Romans, you know, where we kind of waded through there and you understood what the gospel was and the go- what the gospel isn't. You get to the end of chapter seven and it's like, I can't really do all this because every time I try to do what's good, I do what's wrong. And every time I, I try to stop doing what's wrong, uh, you know, I can't do what's good. I'm, I'm really stuck here in verse and chapter 8 really is a revelation of the Holy Spirit. It's only by the Spirit that we're able uh, to, to accomplish what we need to. And then the, the following eight chapters are all, how do you live this out? <laughs> how do we live out the Christian life? And as we got to chapter uh, 13, like last week, we talked about, okay, well, we've got to deal with government. How do you deal with that? Well, we're citizens of earth and we're citizens of heaven at the same time. And I don't know if some of you still have your key with you, but... Uh, just a reminder in your pocket here, I still got mine here, that this isn't, this isn't, this is my house key. This is the key to heaven, and the key is Christ, right? And so that's how, and so we're, we're struggling with that. Towards the end of that first part of chapter 13, it tells us to give everyone what they deserve. If you owe taxes, pay your taxes. If you have a debt, pay the debt. If you, if someone deserves, or you owe somebody respect, pay them respect. If it's honor, then, then pay them honor, right? We came up to that, to that point that you're just a kind of just, by the grace of God, you're just paying everything back. Then we get to, to the very next verse and it says, except there's one debt they want you to keep. One debt that God wants us to keep. You want to keep us in debt? Yeah, with this one thing. And that is the debt to love. The debt to love one another. Now, let me ask you. Have you ever been in debt? Some of you are like, I'm in debt right now. If you've ever been in debt, if you've, if you've, if you've ever like, have no way of paying something back, and I, this has hit me both on a business level when I was a bit, I didn't know how I was going to make payroll at the end of the week, uh, to some of my workers, um, then even personally, I was like, oh man, how are we going to pay the mortgage? How's this, how's this all going to work out? If you've ever been there, you, you're actually at a better place under understanding this a little bit. Because if you're in debt, like, you can't sleep at night. You're, you're trying to resolve your issues. You're saying, like, oh man, I, I don't know how this is going to work out. You're constantly checking your, your, your balance. Uh, on, at the bank, is everything going to okay? I hope this doesn't come in right now because there's not enough money to cover that. Maybe it'll wait one more day. Maybe they won't cash the check. You're probably thinking of other options. You know, maybe I should get a second job. Maybe I should call, call a lawyer and declare bankruptcy. Maybe I should begin to cut things from my budget. Oh, that's an interesting idea. And it's all consuming. Well, if you can hold that thought for a moment, listen to God's word. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. In other words, let this consume you like that. Wouldn't that be interesting? To actually losing sleep over, how am I ever going to show this individual love? And I, how, God, just put it in me, like, what, what you want me to do? And I, I just want to enjoy fulfilling this debt that'll never be fulfilled. I just want you just to keep flowing through me. Your love and giving it to others. Let this love debt be yours always on your mind and your heart. What can I do to show more love? What can I do to help others? Let, 
let me put her needs before mine. He's more important than me. She's more important than me. It's an amazing statement when you think about it. And God's Word is saying, let this debt remain. And as a result of this kind of love, guess what? Right there in Scripture, you're fulfilling the law of God. And verse 10 restates this. It says, love does not harm its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And Paul says it can all be summed up. And Jesus stated this himself in Mark chapter 12, verse 31. It's a powerful statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Whether we realize it or not, we are constantly thinking about ourselves. Constantly. Probably half of you out there are thinking what you're going to eat for lunch already. It's part of our survival. It's part of being human. And so we go through the day and we think, what am I going to accomplish today? What will I enjoy eating? What will I enjoy doing or seeing or hearing? What are my plans? What are my expectations? You see, it's just all I, we, we, we constantly think this way. I have a question. Would you allow God to interrupt your thinking and your self-centeredness and start thinking, how can I love my neighbor as myself? Yes, it's a crazy love. <laughs> it's amazing to be a recipient of this kind of love. Anyone ever show up at your house or give you something, and you're thinking, I never thought of them like that, but they're, they're thinking of me like this. Like they went out of their way to do this for me. I don't deserve this. It's also amazing when you get caught up giving that kind of love. Because it, it didn't strike you, but all of a sudden the Holy Spirit laid it on your heart. Hey, just go do this. And you're like, I don't know if they're going to receive it well. I don't know if they'll think I'm you know, interfering with it. You just do it. It's like just out of obedience. And the Lord says, just, I'm sending you to this individual, and this is what you're going to do, and you do it. And you're like, I don't I don't know why I didn't do that sooner. That is just so wonderful. And I'm having fun doing it. And when we individually or we as a church show this kind of love, guess what? It gets the world's attention. It gets the world's attention. But first, the church needs to wake up. There's no greater time now for the church to awaken, stand up, and stand out for Christ. And so, let's get practical here. Because, <laughs> you know, you deliver a sermon after sermon and sermon, and it's, and it's fine. But we've got to talk about this a little bit, and I'm glad we're here. It's not a huge group, so we can get more intimate uh, with this conversation, perhaps. What are some acts of love that you have received from the body of Christ? What, what if, it doesn't, I mean, it can be monetarily or it can just be a word or, what is it? Some of us, some of you, excuse me, <coughs> have, I'm sure, been blessed by other Christians. And so, what, how, what was that like? Can somebody stand to give a testimony to that? Hey, this is some way, John. 
Now, I should have started off with this, this question because it's kind of on a negative, but why don't we do? You know, it's interesting when the Apostle Paul was writing uh, the individuals of Thessalonica, who were, they were doing a great job. They were loving. They were so loving. But, but he used these words. He said, excel still more. And I just love it because he's saying, I, you're doing a great job. And that's what I would want to say to this church because from what I hear, you've been a blessing uh, and you are doing excellent in the area of love. But I, I want to say this to you, excel still more. And so what are some of the excuses that we have to get over? Like what, what hinders us from showing that kind of love? I've heard people say. Yeah. That's really great. Um, a couple acts of love, too, that I received. One, Carol King is an excellent cook and baker. And, um, and so I get to eat some of her breads that she makes uh, for us, and that's just a... Just a, it's just a blessing. And then I get hot peppers from various people. <laughs> and I got some today from John. And uh, so I can't, not that I'm in a hurry to leave this, this morning, but I can't wait to try them. He even has a California, or Carolina Reaper in there. <sighs> so, but anyhow, but I mean, just these ways and have fun again. I'm saying like, you're allowed to smile, you're allowed to enjoy it, and you get such, when you get joy out of it, it's, it's, it's a true blessing. And so I don't want to cut anybody off. Anybody else have anything else that you wanted to say? And Okay, that's fine. Let me, let me close in a word of prayer, and uh, then we'll have the um, worship team come up and lead us. Lord, we, we just ask that you would reveal yourself through these acts of love. We're not doing this for self-praise or, hey, they'll really like us if we do this. We want people to look at you. We want people to see our good deeds and, and glorify you in heaven. And so, Lord, we ask that you would lay individuals on our hearts, maybe even the individuals that are hard to love, and that you would show your love and let it shine through us as we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, help us to follow through. We have good intentions often, and we stop there. Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives. Push us beyond our boundaries and allow us to be obedient. And so we just commit ourselves to you, Lord. May we be known. May they know that we're your disciples by our love. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.